Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs with the How to Trade It podcast, and I'm here with Gareth Soloway from InTheMoneyStocks.com. Hey, Gareth. How are you doing Hey, Casey. I'm doing great, Casey. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. Well, I'm, I saw you on LinkedIn. You were posting trades and you were doing some good things. And I'm like, wow, this guy is active and he's communicating what he's doing. So I wanted to talk to you. So I'm really glad that we made the connection. So tell me, uh, what is the main thing that you're trading right now? So right now I'm kind of a swing trader. And so I'm doing a lot of stock trading, um, some longs, some shorts, I'm kind of view, my viewpoint right now is that the, the markets seem to be a little bit overdone. We're starting to see the Federal Reserve kind of starting to taper a little bit and getting more aggressive on that. So that's usually a bearish thing for the markets. So I'm a long short investor. Um, if it has a chart, I trade it. So I do some crypto, some commodities, um, but mainly focus on stocks. And um, when you're saying you're swing trading, what time frame charts do you like to use and how long do you hold them usually? Yeah, so for swing trading, it's generally off of the daily chart. And the goal is to pick something up with, with a, an outlook for a, a one to two week hold period. Now, some turn out to be four weeks, some turn out to, to rock it in a day. But ultimately, you go into the trade kind of expecting to hold it for one to two weeks. And what I found over my career is that, you know, you may look at a stock and it has this massive move up and then a massive move down. But in between, there's lots of kind of jagged peaks and, and valleys. And if you can look at the chart and pinpoint the peak and the valley, you can trade those and trade it again and again and again. And ultimately, a stock may have been up 50%, but then come back to the flat line where an investor that held for two years may be flat on that trade. But I've made you know 50% on the trade or maybe even more. So it's, it's a fun way to trade and usually more profitable if you know what you're doing. Well, that's the big if. And so that's why we're talking to you, because you do obviously know what you're doing. So uh, when you're looking for um, stocks to trade, do you have um, one specific strategy? Um, How do you determine what you're going to get into? Yeah, good question. Uh, So I'm a technical trader, which means everything I do relies on looking at the chart. The reason why charts are so fantastic is because charts are created by people buying and selling. People buy and sell based on emotion. They say, okay, I really love Tesla right now, or I love Rivian or this, or I really don't like this and I want to exit that. And so basically when you're looking at a chart, you're reading people's emotions. It's a psychology kind of assessment. And what you can find out is that basically the psychology of the chart tells you when to buy and when to sell. So for instance, a stock may go up into a previous pivot point psychologically People are going to say, okay, that is a resistance point. I'm going to sell because, you know, two years ago it was up at this same level. So they dump there. And I look to short at those points. Same thing on the downside when everyone's panicking, but the chart comes into a major pivot low. I'm looking to play it the opposite way. I'd be a buyer there. So I'm a counter trend trader using the charts to my advantage. So with the counter trend thing going for you, um, isn't it a little scary to short like the uh, the market right now, like the S&P 500 or something, just because it's literally gone up for like ever? 
Yeah. So, so it absolutely is. Um, you have to be aware of what you're doing. You have to have kind of the ability to say, okay, this is my level to base it off of. So I'll look for some sort of you know, signal in the charts that'll get me short, like a topping tail would be another technical signal. That's where the, 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 the day candle. So intraday, the stock pops and then reverses by the end of the day to close in the lower portion of the chart. What that tells you is that there's some sort of distribution by institutions going on. There's a reversal in trend. So I play that candle as a sell signal and I'll go short in that chart. And and then basically, if the chart comes back up and takes out that high, then I step back and I say, okay, didn't work. I gave it a shot. But the beauty of it is, is that when you follow these these candle formations or these chart tactics, it's all about probabilities, right? So you become the casino versus the gambler. And the gambler, you know, sometimes a gambler makes money at the casino. But if you look at a thousand people going into that casino, generally they're going to lose. The casino is what's generally going to win. That's what I want to be. I want to be the one that doesn't win all the time. There's no one winning all the time, but you want to win 70, 80% of the time. Okay. So uh, when you say that you're the casino, does that mean that you're playing probabilities and that you have over time, the probabilities give you an advantage? That's exactly what it is. So again, you know, no one, don't let anyone ever tell you that, that no one takes a loss. I take plenty of losses, but, but what you find out is when you follow the charts, the charts give you these probabilities. So you just want them in your favor, 70 to 80%. And then if you win seven or eight times out of every 10, the, the money takes care of itself over the longer term. So again, have I had a down month here and there? Sure. Just like anyone. But the point is when you look at a year at five years, at 10 years, you're just consistently grinding out profit. The probabilities and statistical edge really is the thing to focus on, not so much focusing on one trade or, oh, I had a great day, but you've yeah. got to think more long-term and probability-wise. Yeah, and, and not only that, but what probabilities do, do is they take away the FOMO, the fear of missing out trade, which, you know, yes, you can hit a home run by jumping on board, but a lot of times people get stuck. They get in too late on these FOMO trades like Rivian, you know, last week ran up to like 175 from 100, and that, then it went right back down to $120 in a matter of a couple days. Were you shorting and, that one? Uh, I had puts and my broker didn't allow me to short. So I did puts, but I did oh. make money on the puts on that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but again, you know, there's, there's so much this, especially with crypto these days, there's so much fear of missing out that people just jump in and they think it's so easy to just jump on board and make millions of dollars. In reality, the stats show that those people lose more money than they, than they end up making. Now, if you were um, a beginner now, you know a lot of stuff. I was actually um, working on my computer before this. I had tech support on and they were working on trying to fix something. And they saw that I had six monitors. Uh, You got more monitors than me. So good job. Um, But I got six monitors and she's like, oh, wow, that's really something. And I told her I was doing trading and she's like, oh, well, how would I get started with that? Mm -hmm. And uh so I'm going to I'm going to ask the same question now to you that she asked me, uh, what would you tell somebody that that said that to you? Like, how do you get started? So so the best thing and, and this comes from personal experience, is, is start with very little money. So when I started trading back a long time ago, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. I, I didn't have much money to my name. I basically had $10,000, which is still a fair amount of money. But but, you know, these days it doesn't seem like a whole lot. But basically, I I 
ended up trading and trying to figure it out on my own, which was like the worst thing in the world because I would just take loss and then more losses and more losses and I would have to work. So I worked three jobs at one point to replenish my trading account over and over again for literally a couple years until I started to get the hang of it. What I always tell people is that the market will charge you an educational fee or you can pay for it, right? So, you know, for instance, I teach people via webinars and, you know, they might cost $1,000 or $500, but ultimately that makes itself up to you in tens of thousands of dollars in profits later on versus what you would pay the market. So like, think about a brain surgeon, you know, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon. I couldn't walk right into a surgical office and, and be like, all right, I'm ready to operate. I would have to spend half a million dollars to get that education. Same thing with trading. You need to get educated because otherwise you're trading in in shark infested waters. Institutions have algorithms today. They've built them. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars to build these algorithms to try to push you and your emotion to the extreme to get you to do the opposite of what they want. And then they take your money from it. All right. So you have to understand that go get educated, um, start trading small. What I did back then, part of the positive was having very little money, so I couldn't lose a whole lot. But also, you know, start trading with one share of a stock. Just test out your ability first. And then if you've proved to yourself that you are right, meaning let's say after one month you've made 50 trades and 45 of them were winners. Okay, now go to five shares. Then prove it to yourself again. Because what investors don't understand is that emotion is one of the biggest issues that investors have. It's doing the wrong thing because your emotion gets out of whack. So you got to really start small. Take it slow, and and really, education is so important. Uh, what about uh, like personal personality differences? Because I think um, maybe some people might be more qualified to be investors. Yeah. They might be more comfortable just putting in a few dollars every month rather than actively trading. Because that I think maybe there's some special. Not that anyone can't do it. I believe anyone can do it, mm-hmm. but I do think that there's some maybe traits for people that would be more interested in trading than other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, there absolutely are. Uh, I think, I think if I had to start from the ground level and choose someone, I would probably choose a psychologist, number one, someone with a psychology degree background, which is kind of counterintuitive. You'd say, Oh, well, why not economics or why not something in business? But psychology, understanding the psychology of, of, of the markets is one of the most important things to kind of sticking to the technicals versus getting caught up in emotion. You start to be able to read human emotion and know when it's going to reverse by having that psychological aspect to it. The other thing would be is probably you have to say to yourself, um, you know, look at, look at, I mean, for instance, women, right? So one of the bigger things I found women to be slightly better at trading than men. And you know why? I don't know, Casey, if you could guess any ideas why women would be a little bit better. They're a little more conservative. I'm a big time risk taker and I just can't seem to break that habit or, you know, and and that's part of it risks. And it's, and it's, it's also ego, right? Men technically, we have our ego, you know? And so, so one of the things about trading is you have to be able to say, okay, I was wrong. Men, a lot of men don't like to admit that. It's kind of like asking for directions on the on the highway. You don't really have to do that nowadays because of Google Maps. But That's back right. in the day, it's like I'd rather drive for two days than ask somebody for directions. Right. And it's and listen, it's not to say that men aren't good traders. There are plenty of great traders. I'm a man, obviously. But but when you're looking at some of the traits, I mean, believe it or not, women have less of that ego, which especially early on, you're going to have more losses. You got to be able to just suck it up and say, okay, I was wrong. Move on. You know. So so yeah, those are some of the keys. 
Okay, that's that's some good stuff. Just uh, trying to get it out there for people that maybe want to try to figure out where they're where they're at. Um, what what do you think long term versus uh, trading uh, versus investing? So here's a conversation I had with one of a uh, close friend of mine the other day. He's like, I've been trading and I'm just so reckless, and I've been trading for years. And he said, if I would just have been buying the S and P 500 for the last 10 years. I would be way more ahead than trading because I'm so reckless. Yeah. Um, so what, how do you feel like, is that a, a, a common statement for a lot of people? And if you're good at trading, you're going to make more than investing or how does, how does that play off as who makes more investors or traders? So it, it again, depends on how good you are, right? So the average investor is going to make more buying and holding, right? So especially people with nine to five jobs. I mean, you know, if you're going to be a trader, meaning a swing trader or a day trader, you have to devote time to learning it, right? And when you have a nine to five and you have kids at home, I mean, you just don't have the time to devote to learning and spending that time that's required to study the charts and get good at it. So so that's number one. If you If you're someone that doesn't have that time, don't expect to jump into the markets and being a trader. The other thing would be, you know, you have to look at your mentality and say, okay, you know, if you're a risk taker, even though it sounds like swing trading and day trading are riskier, the risk taking side of, of that psychology can actually make you underperform, right? Because you're going to end up saying, well, you know, this stock may go to a thousand, but it might go to zero. I'm going to give it a shot. Well, as a trader and investor, I can never do that, right? I never want to get in a position where my downside is 100% or even 80% or something like that. So so it's really that mentality. You have to go in saying, all right, I'm going to be so disciplined. I'm going to follow my rule book. If I don't, I'm going to attach electrodes to my ears and buzz myself with electric. You know, you have to train yourself so well to be in this shorter term game. Otherwise, you won't outperform long term investors. So if I subscribe to your room, do, does it come with the electrodes that I can use while I'm in the room? It and doesn't. that people that, that aren't following? It doesn't, but I wish I could do that. <laughs> and listen, I mean, I'll be fair. You know, there, there are certain times where investors come in or traders, you know, and, and they'll say something and, and I, I dress them down. I kind of, you know, I don't do it too harshly, but but I look at it like if I can be strong enough on someone and, and firm enough on them, then maybe I just save them $5,000 in losses or 20000 in losses. So it's important to have that discipline. And, you know, in the trading room, for instance, there are days where I take zero trades. I sit there all day. We, we shoot the breeze on my microphone where I'm talking to people and I just sit on my hands. You have to be able to do that as a trader. You have to be disciplined. You actually, the less you trade, the more you end up making as a trader because you're more selective in terms of the trades that you're taking. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset, and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete 
trading system. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Okay, so then if you can not take the bad trades and you just focus on the good ones and you get good at taking those good ones, uh, you're going to make a lot more money long term because a lot uh, I've noticed that I'll look at some of my trading performance for the for the month or whatever and I'll look and I've got all these trades in there and then maybe there's one or two that really carried the whole account. Yeah. Something. If I could just learn how to get just those one or two, maybe I could really do something here. Yeah. And especially if, I, if those are like longer term things, if you're like looking at longer term positions that really outperform, then you want to you want to focus on, you know, emerging technologies that haven't run yet. So there's this big push into EVs right now. We know about that. You know, there's there's other things. What, what I do is I say everyone already knows about those trades. The stocks are sky high. I don't go near those. What I do is I think about, okay, well, what's next? What's coming in the future that's kind of flying under the radar that could be a big thing? And I always try to be first in a trade. I never want to be halfway in, you know, half after the first 50%, because then then you're, you're dealing with, all right, well, when does it turn and do I lose money? Right. And that kind of plays into your contrarian uh, mindset that you have. Uh, yeah, like just and I just to give an example here, like so so for instance, right now the marijuana stocks are 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 so low. You know, there there's really there used to be a huge amount of buzz when the Democrats ended up, you know, winning the election and then the Senate. And there they these things ran to like, you know, Tilray was at like $60, $70 for a short amount of time. Now it's back to $10. No one wants to go near it. Everyone is like, oh, let's not talk about it. There are other things. That's where I actually start to accumulate because I look at risk reward. You know, at $70, there was a ton of risk. It could come back down. At $10, you know, if if legalization doesn't happen, maybe it goes down a couple more dollars. But if it does happen or even gets talked about, I could double my money. So I look for those opportunities that everyone else hates, but that there's a possibility of something in the future. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good one because if you look at those, they've also had revenues growing as well. Yep. You know, so when you see them shrinking and the revenues going up, usually that'll eventually turn back around. And not only that, but I often, you know, I I just continue to realize that, you know, our government in the U S we need, we need more revenues, right? I mean, the amount of debt that we're spinning off is insane. So, well, what's, what's, I mean, it might be two years, it might be four years, but eventually the the federal government's going to want to get that revenue in the door. And it means that you might have to wait a little while, but those, those stocks are probably good for a hundred percent, even if you got to wait a couple of years, which is not a bad return on two years or so. Oh, right. Yeah. Especially if you're um, able to build in a position too. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, you know, circling back around to the education question, uh, you had said pay for the education. And I really agree with that. And I think that being around successful people is truly one of the best things that you can possibly do. Um, with that being said, where are some good sources for people to get some of this education? Because it seems like it's hard to know who to trust nowadays. Uh, even the, you know, like some of the big mainstream media stuff, I kind of sometimes mm-hmm. am a little negative towards those guys. I call them the talking heads. And that's like, I really wouldn't recommend you go to that for education. Like, where would you recommend going for some good stock education? Yeah. So the first place you'd want to go is to, to become familiar with the charts. Just go on Amazon and, and Google like, you know, basic technical analysis. And that's going to give you the basics of what is a candlestick, 
what is a topping tail, a bottoming tail, head and shoulders pattern. And you want to kind of just get those basics under your wing in terms of, you know, when, when you come into a more advanced class, you need to know the basics. Otherwise you're going to be lost. Right. So once you get that down, then, you know, I obviously teach some stuff. I'm not here to promote it, but, but we go into something that's called PPT, which is price pattern and time and price that, if you follow basically price pattern and time via the chart, we're not using a lot of these weird indicators. You know, I, I really barely look at RSI, MACD, stochastics, all that fancy stuff. I'm just like, show me a chart with ups and downs like this. And I can find pivot points for you or pattern formations that historically over the last 50 plus years have the probabilities of, of telling you something is going to go in a certain direction. So I would just go with that, go with the basics first and then find someone who, who is trustworthy and who has a reputation out there of being legitimate and isn't trying to sell you on these fancy softwares and all this other nonsense. You don't need it. You just need a basic software from any broker that shows you candle charts, in my opinion, and you're good to go. What about for finding trades? Do you have to have any uh, software for finding trades or scanners or anything like that? Like how do you, cause there's so many different stocks in the market. How do you know which ones are setting up and which ones you're trying to trade each day? Yeah. So, so I don't have, I don't use any scanners. I just kind of scan through the only pseudo scanner that I do have is, is I have my live day trading room, which is the chat room where we day trade every day. And we just have such a great group of people in there that they're always throwing out stock symbols. What do you think of this and this? And so that almost works like a stock screener for me, but for the most part, I, I don't use stock screeners. Um, I'm looking at charts and, and I can basically click on a chart in about three seconds, I can tell if it's coming into a level. The first thing I look is, is it massively overbought, meaning has it gone vertical like a, a Tesla has recently or a, a NVIDIA? And then I look at stocks that have been pounded ridiculously and are making new multi-year lows. And then as soon as I see one of those charts, I start looking closer to see, okay, is there a short here? Is there a double top? Is there some sort of reversal signal for like a Tesla and then on the other side, same thing. Is there a double bottom? Is there a pivot low on the chart where I could play the inverse move on that? And that's really what I'm trying to do is just play that contrarian bounce play on, on lows and short plays on highs. Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty good. Um, it's great to have uh, you on the show, especially because you're the, you got the contrarian view because it seems like most of the people I get are not trading like that. Most of the people are like, okay, we're going to find the momentum. We're going to find the trend. If it's breaking a new high, we want to get into it. Um, and so you're pretty much the exact opposite of that. Uh, do you do any trend trading at all? Um, trend trading, there'll be certain situations where I will, if it's a long sideways base, like, like on the Russell right now, um, for the last year, the Russell hasn't made really new all time highs until recently. Those type of longer bases are usually good bullish consolidations. And I would play that, but it's gotta be really a pretty intense consolidation for me to continue a trend to the upside, like the Russell. I don't know if it's possible for me to, can I share my chart just real quick? Uh, yeah, if you just click the uh, share screen button, there we go. You awesome. got it. That was quick. So, so just to show something so cool about this, right? So this is the S&P chart. And what's beautiful about this is that look at this channel and how price has stayed in it. More importantly, look at how the high pivot here matches right here, matches right. along here. And then look at what we just recently hit. So basically just using this upper trend line, I've been able to short the market off of this and vice versa. You can buy it when it comes down to the lower areas. And if you look at the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ 100, it's almost identical. Look at how here the line and then it sold off to the low. Then it chopped around, went to the high, sold off. 
went to the high here, sold off, and you're bubbling up against that same high. So again, what I'm doing is I'm just looking for these repetitive kind of things over and over again. The idea being is that I do think that the the cues should pull back to this lower trend line. And, you know, by playing a, a, a nice options trade, a put play, or just shorting the cues, you can just continue to make this over and over again um, on the portfolio kind of thing. So just some cool stuff like that. I mean, another stock that would be interesting here for me, this is a contrarian view. Take a look at this chart here, which is Chegg, C-H-G-G is the symbol. And then look at look at this low pivot here and look at how oversold this is right into that basic double bottom. So this would be another one where you would say, okay, here's a contrarian view. The stock's been crushed. It's oversold. And now it's into a major pivot going back to the March 2020 lows. You should get some sort of bounce. So again, giving your viewers kind of your listeners some sort of basis for how I do things. I just look for these type of setups and then I just kind of rinse and repeat on a different chart constantly. Okay. Well, we're getting close to out of time. We got about two minutes. So I'm going to try to squeeze in three questions. Yeah. <laughs> so number one is when you see a support level like we just saw in Chegg, are you um, buying right away or do you wait for some kind of momentum or reversal candle or do you buy as soon as it hits the level? I usually buy as soon as it hits the level. One thing I do do, which I do recommend, this is something that I developed over the last five to seven years, is buying small. So let's say I want to accumulate a $100,000 position in Chegg. What I do is I usually will buy $25,000 first. And then if it goes a little bit lower, I add a little bit more, add a little bit more to accumulate my full position. And the reason I do that is because you know the market humbles you, right? I mean, there have been plenty of times where it goes to a level and it pierces that level because of fear and panic. And I want to make sure that my average is as low as possible. If I wait too long, I might miss it. So just leg in slowly, kind of dip that toe in the water. That's been very successful for me in getting a good overall average. Awesome. And then uh, when you're looking to make a trade, how how long do you, um, how much profit are you looking for? Do you have a certain profit target? Do you follow the trend with a, a moving average? Like how do you know when to get out? So it's usually it's usually based on two factors. Number one, the chart. So the chart has to continue to show me that it has that ability to bounce. If it starts coming into resistance, I'll usually exit. Uh, the other side would be I usually on my swing trades, I'm only entering positions where I think I can make between 10 and 20 percent at a minimum. You know, if it's two percent on a bounce, I'm not you know that the risk of me getting in and going through my level too much risk for that little gain. Okay. And then the very last thing is uh, for people that want to know more about inthemoneystocks.com, what do you do and uh, how would they get in touch with you? Wonderful. So the free way to follow me is on Twitter at Gareth Soloway. I post lots of charts there and information and so forth. But if you're more interested in my actual trades, you can come to inthemoneystocks.com. I have a service called Verified Investing Alerts. I do daily videos. I post up trade alerts that you can follow with targets and stops and everything. And uh, really, that's where it is, folks. That's where the swing trading and day trading occurs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I recommend that you guys go check out Gareth on Twitter and check out his website. Uh, he's going to put out a lot of great information. Again, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you, Gareth. Thank you so much, Casey. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, 
please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.